1: It's the Larry Kudlow show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back folks. Larry Kudlow here. Free market prosperity, we need a lot more of it. By the way here, this show you can you can get us on the internet, okay? Larrykudlowshow.com, larrykudlowshow.com. You can hear it all across the country and around the world, and throughout the solar system and the Milky Way on the internet. And uh, during the week, please tune us in on television. Fox Business Network, FBN, it's the hottest business network, by the way, crushing the competition. And that's four to five p.m. The name of the show is Cudlow, and you can DVR us. You just text your favorite nine-year-old; who will teach you how to DVR the show. You'll never miss a thing. Anyway, we're going to do some stock market work. Not a great week for stocks. The Dow is off 927 points. The S&P 500, not so bad, minus 26. The NASDAQ actually increased by a small amount, 61 points. Let's see what happened here. Interest rates, and down a little bit. The 10 years, 348, it was off two basis points. Got a badly inverted yield curve. Three month Treasury bill, 463, and the 10 years, 348. That is a classic recession signal, deeply inverted curve. But what is interesting here is that uh, commodities are rallying. Gold is rallying. Oil is rallying. Copper is rallying. So I'm interested to know what all this means. We had some very bad. Recession-type numbers that we talked about earlier in the show with Joe Lavorne and John Carney. Anyway, Jim LeCamp is here, senior VP at Morgan Stanley, and Mike Ozanian, assistant managing editor of Forbes Media and co-host of the excellent show Forbes Sports Money. That's on the Yes Network. And I've watched that thing a whole bunch of times. Anyway, gentlemen, welcome. Uh, I'll begin with you, Mike Ozanian. Uh, What's your outlook for stocks right now? Let's talk stocks.
2: I think stocks are headed still lower, at least uh, through the first half of this year, uh, mostly because of earnings. Larry, uh, Hmm. looking at fourth quarter earnings growth, they expect negative 3.9 percent. It'll be the first time it reported year-over-year decline in earnings since the third quarter of 2020. Hmm. Uh, which I think is uh, a, a bad sign, and earnings revisions, Larry, and, and you know this really troubles me because, as we know, Wall Street analysts tend to look at things through rose-colored glasses. But even in December, they went deeply negative in, in their revisions. Uh, so, so that bothers me as well. Uh, so I, I just don't see corporate profits growing. You know, you even go to the Fed and w- looks at even the small businesses and talking about profits from current production Uh, in the third quarter, we haven't got the fourth quarter read yet. In the third quarter, they decreased by 1.3 billion. Mm. So I I think we're going to see shrinking profits, uh, stubbornly high inflation. uh, And so, and I think the fed is going to stick to its interest rate increase path. And so I'm bearish on stocks, at least through the first half of this year.
1: You know, it's interesting, uh, I say this for Jim LeCamp, but both of you, I had um, on the TV show last week. I had Ed Yardeni, who was a very, very smart guy, famous economist for many, many decades, Um, and he was making a case uh, for a soft landing. And B, a stock market rally. His view was just interesting that the market bottomed, uh, in the, using the SP 500, uh, Jim LeCamp, the market bottomed in mid October and is still pushing above the 200 day moving average. And I say that, um, cause again, is a famous guy and a very smart guy. He also happens to be a nice guy. Uh, and he was very articulate on the show. And it's a contrary view, Jim LeCamp. What do you make of it?
0: Uh, The markets really have struggled with the 200-day moving average. And the S&P peaked its head above the 200-day moving average a couple of days last week and then pulled right back down, just like it did a month ago, just Mm -hmm. like it did two months ago, Mm -hmm. just like it did back in August and back in March of last year. It's really struggled with it, and the uh, NASDAQ is still well below. I used to work with Ed many, many years ago at Prue-Bates, so I I have great respect for him. But there's too many headwinds out there. Um, First of all, historically, you don't get a bear market bottom going all the way back to World War II until you get a Fed cut. Now, we we had a little bit of that at the end of 2018, but technically that wasn't a bear market. It was 19.2%. So uh, look at leading economic indicators. They're pointing sharply down. um, ISM services, ISM manufacturing, CapEx plans. And I agree, as you know, Larry, I love to debate, but I agree with everything Michael said about profits and earnings expectations, and that goes to valuations. But beyond that, Tina is no longer there. Tina has been replaced uh, by TATA. Tina was, there is no alternative to stocks. It's gone. Tata is, treasuries are the alternative. Uh, treasury yields are over 4% on the the, the three-month and, uh, and the one-year, and a lot of people are just parking their money there until they see the stocks clearly break above, but I don't think we see that until we have either more compelling valuations or the Fed cuts rates and real interest rates are still negative. So the Fed's not going to stop their rate hikes until they at least get positive real interest rates. So I, I still think we've got some messiness in front of us.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't really disagree, but I just thought Ed Yardini's view was uh, quite interesting. Look, I think Ed Hyman agrees. You know, he's bearish um, on stocks and the economy. The numbers came out. Last week, and I I talked about this earlier in the show, the numbers for everything, retail sales, industrial production, manufacturing, housing starts, and existing home sales, all bad. Um, You may have a negative GDP in the first quarter. You may only get 1% or so in the fourth quarter. I think that comes out later this week. So I I have no reason to disagree with the bearish view. Just saying – I'm always looking for a little bit of optimism. Um, let me ask you another thing, though. Michael Zane, uh, profits are the mother's milk of stocks. So your points on earnings are very well taken. On the other hand, I don't see in the bond market, the corporate bond market, Mike, I don't see any you know, crack-up, the spreads, the so-called risk spreads or the quality spreads, with um, you know B double A versus Treasuries or high yield versus Treasuries, I don't see any big crack up there yet. It seems like I, I, so that you know yeah. that's a small plus.
2: Yeah, no, look, I, it is, but I, I wonder, Larry, if that's not uh, uh, fun because some think that the Fed will will not continue its path of tightening. Um, the other thing, too, is uh, in terms of corporate balance sheets, we have weathered this. And coming out of the pandemic, and this is where I don't think uh, – I think a lot of people missed this during the Trump presidency. Corporate balance sheets got extremely strong, mm. extremely strong. Mm. Uh, debt was generally way down and and at low interest. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of cash, a lot of equity. So I, I think that's helping them whether that. But in general, my feeling is that I, I think the debate we see in the market, just like with the spreads you're mentioning, is is between those who think that the Fed's going to continue its path of tightening and those that think somehow it will not. Uh, I tend to think that it will. I think it has to, uh, given how late it started in its fight on inflation. And you mentioned commodities at the top of the show. Mm. I think I, I think that. I'm a big believer in looking at commodities, and and I think that commodity prices are also saying that inflation is going to be stubborn for a while. And the the big miss, and and again, you know, I I hate to go against Ed Yardeni because like the two gentlemen I'm on the phone with right now, I've learned a great deal from him. I get his research. But I just suspect that. The weakness in housing mm. is, is not being taken into full account by some people. And I'm just looking at KB Homes. They recently came out. They're the sixth largest home builder in America. They experienced the other day, they say reported, a 68% cancellation rate mm. in fourth quarter of 22, which means that home buyers canceled 68% of the homes that went under contract in that quarter. A year ago, it was only 13%. So I I think that the sharp downturn in housing is not being fully calibrated into into some of the people that are more
1: positive than we are. Yeah, you know, uh, on that point, single-family housing starts are down 25% for the past 12 months. And the single family permits, which is a leading indicator, is down 35%. I mean, those are very bad numbers. Uh, and we were talking about that earlier. Home prices are probably going to start falling quite a bit. Jim LeCamp, uh, I'm also interested that gold is rally, Gold is up about $300 from the lows. All right. In round numbers, it's over 1900 now and it was 1600 uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, silver has been up. And copper has been up. Dr. Copper has been up, Jim McCann. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. All, What's that telling you? What What's all that mean? Why, two things. why is that so uh, strong? It,
0: yeah, I think it's two things. Uh, when you look at uh, industrial commodities, base metals, iron, ore, copper, those are all rallying, in my view, on China reopening, and the China stock stock market is reflecting that as well. With gold, it's something far more interesting, in my view. China is buying Russian oil uh, at a discount. They're buying Iranian oil at a discount. They're buying Venezuelan oil at a discount, and they're selling it to Europe. But there's been a lot of noise about China and Russia pushing for payments to be made either in Remibi or in gold. And we've seen Chinese accumulation, a Chinese central bank accumulation of gold at record levels, Hmm. and other central banks – Are following suit. Now you've got all these paper ETF gold companies saying, yeah, we better stock up the gold that we have uh, that is supposed to back these ETFs. So there's a lot of forces at work at gold that are a little bit of a separate discussion than what we're seeing in the uh, base metals, industrial metals, et cetera, which are more tied to China. One other thing about gold, though, uh, Larry, is the Whole crypto crowd has realized that's a far more problematic trade uh, than they thought it was going to be, and some of those folks are likely uh, moving their hedge type uh, investments into the gold area.
1: I'm just looking. I love the crypto story. Uh, Bitcoin, twenty-two thousand. Mm-hmm. How about that? I think the low was twelve thousand. I know the high was sixty thousand. But I don't know. Might be a great buy. <laughs> I, I
0: I think the the problem with crypto is Nobody. it's still a little bit of a tower of Babel. <laughs> uh, you've got Bitcoin. You've got Litecoin. You've got Ethereum. You, you've got a lot of people that don't know where the real leadership's going to be. And uh, while blockchain is here to stay, and and I think is going to be something more and more viable. Uh, I think you're going to see more uh, continued, I should say, volatility in the crypto coin space. And I think investors need to kind of view that as Vegas money. Vegas
1: money. All right, kids. Let's take a break. Quick break. Come back. Jim LeCamp, Morgan Stanley, Mike Ozanian, Forbes Media, and Sports Money on the S-Network. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back with more on stocks. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. On seventy seven WADC. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Cudlow. We're talking stocks with Jim LeCamp, Morgan Stanley, and Mike O'Zanian, assistant managing editor of Forbes Media and co host of Forbes Sports Money on the Yes Network. So Mike O'Zanian, what does an investor do right now amidst a certain amount of doom and gloom?
2: Oh, I'm uh, embarrassed on the broader market, Larry. Uh, I think there could be some great opportunities to cherry pick on some bad news recently. So some of the banks, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, great companies. uh, They increased their loss reserves by a significant amount, billions, and stocks took a hit. Right now, they're both selling right about at book value. Uh, So I kind of like the valuation there. Another way to play the downturn in financials is with Vanguard Financials ETF, ticker symbol V-A-F-H dot one V. I think that's intriguing. And lastly, I'll quickly add Paramount Global, the big media company uh, uh, where the voting shares are controlled by national amusements. That was uh, Redstone. Uh, Buffett's now the biggest holder in that company Mm. uh, through Berkshire. And Paramount has struggled and may struggle for a time. They haven't quite figured out how this whole streaming internet and all that content is going to work as people move away from, you know, television sets and so forth. But, you know, I think you could do worse than betting alongside Warren Buffett,
1: you know, Paramount plus, uh, they did Yellowstone. Yeah. Yeah. That's gotta the problem be problem is, Yeah. Huh?
2: That great content. Yeah. The question do- is, the profit margins on it have been have been narrow, so I, I think that that's scared Wall Street away. But uh, they they've got some great
1: programming. But the, there's a lot of competition in that space, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, absolutely. I mean, you know, look, I love to be entertained at night. If the, I you know, I I can't wait till the Yankees get going again because you know I watch a few innings every night to relax. So. I you know I I watch uh, Netflix and I watch Amazon Premium and you see this Paramount stuff it's pretty good but they're fighting with everybody else HBO Plus has got one Apple's got one I mean it's a tough space so just saying uh, Jim LeCamp what does a poor investor do right now amidst all this non fabulous news?
0: Well, you can't watch the Rangers a few innings every night because you're not going to get any rest at all doing that. So that's what not to do. Um, One of the things you can look at in here is natural gas uh, stocks. Natural gas prices have plummeted because Europe stocked up on natural gas, uh, fearing a cold winter. The winter wasn't as bad as we thought. But the rig count's actually down. Um, And if you look at capacity across the world and what opec says about capacity i still like oil and gas but on a relative scale the the gas stocks look better also uh... some of the international markets actually are breaking out and i think on a relative basis they'll do a little better than the u.s wall street's been calling for international areas to do better for probably more than a decade now and they've been wrong but we're now finally seeing the whites of their eyes in that we're seeing the breakouts on the charts so we have a little exposure to Europe, have a little exposure to the A-shares in China. Uh, but I still think investors need to play defense here and wait. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that long, probably late summer, and we'll see some real opportunity. Uh, some of the materials areas are still relatively strong as well. And, again, a, a play on China reopening. So there's a few places to play, um, a few players you can put out on the field. Uh, but I just wouldn't try to feel the whole team here. I'd, I'd play more defense.
1: Is the China thing, I, I hear and read so much about China reopening. Um, first of all, their latest GDP report was down around 3%, which for them is very, very low. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a very repressive uh, President Xi and his Communist Party, very anti-free you know, free market, all that Deng yep. Xiaoping stuff years back. So – yeah, I don't know how to read it. COVID. Well,
0: they've, had a, they've had a little bit of a sea change on how they're treating COVID, and that they they finally have given up on the zero COVID policy mm. and are more open towards some sort of a herd immunity plan. Um, but it's not only reopening China to a degree, but a lot of the surrounding emerging markets. And um, yeah, this trade isn't real early. I don't. I think. I don't think. Um, people can just uh, buy that buy that area and sit on it and relax. I think it's more of a trade, but um, on, on a relative basis, it is doing better. And uh, again, mm-hmm. you know, so is
1: Europe. Zanian, uh can the Giants beat Philadelphia tomorrow? No, tonight. Oh. What am I saying? Tonight, eight fifteen. Eight fifteen. Absolutely, they could yeah, beat them because. Yeah, this is
2: starting to remind me of those runs in 2007 and 2011. You know, not the greatest regular seasons in the world. But, hey, look, we're playing with house money right now. I mean, this is a rebuilding year. We weren't even supposed to be a 500 team, let alone get into the playoffs. You know, that's how I say we. You know, I'm feeling good about it, so I say we. <laughs> it's like when our Yankees are on a roll, it's we. When they're in a slump, it's them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we, right now, we have the hottest quarterback in football. That's all I'll all right. say. 8.15 tonight, Giants, Philadelphia. Go Giants. Mike Ozanian, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate Jim LeCamp. Thank you so much. Folks, stick around. We're going to do some money in politics. John Fund is coming. Liz Peak is coming. Joe Biden is coming. Al Gore is coming. Tax Day is coming. Oh, no.